Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at highfivecasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up and welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside me, Pelicans.com writer Jim Eichenhofer. Hope everyone had a great weekend. I know a little up and down based on some of the football results, but the good news is on Saturday night, the Pelicans did get a win over the Charlotte Hornets, 115-1. 10 is their first road game, road win of the season, I should say, and they improved to 2-7 and seven on the season. Another tough test for the Pelicans tonight as they welcome in the Houston Rockets. Jim, let's go back to the win on Saturday night against the Hornets. And um, overall, you know, it came down to the end uh, once again for the Pelicans. And they haven't been exactly great in clutch time situations. But on Saturday night, they really showed up. That was probably the most encouraging positive part of that game was that, yet once again, like as you mentioned, you're in a close game that could go 50-50 coin flip. And they were able to come up with more of the good plays on the stretch. I thought... Brandon Ingram went into closer mode in the last few minutes of the game and just said, "All right, I'm gonna, gonna get get us all of the baskets that we need to be able to pull out this game." So, it was uh, it was really positive, and um, I mean the players were very happy. I think after that game, in the locker room, it was a nice bounce back from Toronto the night before, which was a night that it seemed like everything went wrong. Right. But at the same time, I think maybe the Raptors are pretty good based on what they did Sunday night to win it against the Lakers. So. Yeah, it was, a, it was a nice turnaround from 24 hours earlier. Uh, let's talk about the starting lineup on uh, Saturday night for the Pelicans. Lonzo Ball did not play, so you had a few got changes in the starting lineup. J.J. Redick came in to replace Lonzo Ball. Drew Holiday moved to the point guard position. You had Kenrich Williams getting the nod, which proved to be a very good move for head coach Alvin Gentry. And then Derek Favors, as he's getting healthier and healthier, now was moved back into the starting lineup. I thought he played well, too. There were so many things to note from even just with the starting line changes that I do think that favors the performance where he had a double-double with 10 points and 10 rebounds kind of got lost in the mix with so many other things that happened. But that was definitely encouraging to see him play that way, and it seems like he's probably going to solidify himself now as the guy that they're going to go with at starting center. Um, I remember in preseason training camp going back a ways, I said a few times about Kenrich that – Probably with as much depth as this team has, the the best chance that he was going to have to contribute and play was to be that glue guy, to be playing in a lineup where maybe he's surrounded by a lot of other people who need the ball and who get a lot of touches, but he can contribute in, in a lot of other ways and doesn't need to score. 
he he did have 15 points I was about that to say, night. he did contribute so offensively. It was, it was it was great to get that as well from him but um just overall it just seemed like he was a a really good fit with that group and it sounded like we don't know for sure but it sounded like the way that Elvin Gentry was talking I think Jen Hale asked him after the game do you think you'll stick with this lineup and he said probably until you know Lonzo comes back that this is probably the group that we'll go with and I thought the you know it was it was everyone was in the pluses plus minus wise so it was really good night JJ Redick was plus 15 plus yep. minus and probably had the best game that he's played so far this year so a lot of good stuff to build on yeah five threes on the night for JJ Redick and all five starters in double figures and now we turn our attention to the Houston Rockets we'll hear from Craig Ackerman radio and television voice of the Houston Rockets in just a few moments but You've already played this team, Jim. It was the, the day after the home opener, and it was a tough loss, but you were without Drew Holiday, who usually does very well on James Harden. You have Drew Holiday back tonight for the Pelicans. Should be an interesting one at Smoothie King Center. It really should, and I think that was the that was the third game of the season. It was interesting because I thought, even though it was frustrating to lose again that night and go to 0-3, you thought that there were certain things that – again that they could build on and I thought they played pretty well that night the one thing that is a little scary about that game is it seemed like Houston shot preposterously bad from three-point range and that kind of and Harden had a really bad game in that area as well so hopefully they aren't due tonight to have a breakout in that category but um, I thought defensively the Pelicans were better Saturday against Charlotte and hopefully there are certain things that they can that they did in that game that they'll be able to carry over against Houston. And with that, we welcome in Craig Ackerman, radio and television voice of the Houston Rockets. Craig, uh, hope all is well. How are you, my friend? Uh, things are good. Rockets are uh, playing a little bit better now, which is a uh, is a positive, and uh, look forward, look, you know, really looking forward to the game tonight. Well, let's talk about that. Six and three. Obviously, the Pelicans saw the Rockets in game number three. How much has changed since then for Houston, and and why are they looking so much better? Well, James Harden is actually hitting shots now. Uh, he got off to a horrific start. Uh, shooting the ball, I mean, he was still averaging 35, 36 a game, even with just horrific three-point shooting, hovering around the 20 percentile uh, area. The last three, shooting 43 percent from downtown. The numbers continue uh, to climb. That's number one. But to be honest, the reason why they played a little bit uh, better over the last week is that they've improved dramatically on defense. I mean, they were they were flat out terrible uh, at that end of the floor. Uh, they got blown out in Miami. Uh, Mike D'Antoni called them out. That they were soft um, was, you know, sort of demanded that they respond to that. Um, they have, and here we are. They're looking for their fourth win in a row. You talked about the defense, and obviously uh, some of the numbers might be a little skewed due to that Washington Wizards game where you allow over 155 points. But what has changed defensively, and why are they playing so much better on the defensive end? Well, a couple of things. Look, I, I will admit um, they haven't exactly played offensive juggernauts, um, you know, over the last week. Um, Memphis. This version of Golden State, um, Chicago, these team, those three teams are going to be in the bottom third in the league in offensive efficiency. So um, that certainly has had something to do with it. But uh, the Rockets' opponents in the first, you know, do, uh, you know, half dozen games of the year were shooting 40, 43 percent um, from downtown. We, everybody knew that that particular number would not be uh, sustainable, and that number has, has dropped dramatically. And you know, three-point defense is. You know, uh, there is there is an element of, of, of luck involved there. Early in the season, Rockets opponents were hitting an abnormally high percentage of their shots. Over the last week, it's kind of gone the other direction. So, again, that's, that's a little bit of factor uh, 
in all of this. Um, Daniel House has been very good. Clint Capel has been on the floor uh, more often and has stepped up his game. He really struggled uh, to start the season, and so um, you know it's it's been it's been a variety of of, of, of factors. Um, and uh, you know, hopefully, again, this is a, a trend that can can continue. Um, everybody knows that typically historically you can't ultimately look yourself in the mirror and say that you're a legitimate title contender uh, if you're not one of the 10 best defensive teams in the league. They know that, and again, hopefully that's something that they can be consistent at the rest of the season. Craig, you uh, you just talked a lot about defense. I, I was wondering, on the offensive end, when you shoot as many threes as Houston does, I mean, how much of, of a factor has that been? It seemed like not just Harden, but the team overall seemed like they got off to a kind of a poor start. And even in the game against New Orleans, it seemed like the three-point shooting numbers were really poor. I mean, how much of a, of a factor is that as far as a swing in terms of how the, the team has done lately? Well, I mean, when, when shots go in, you look a heck of a lot better when they don't, but they're not going to stop um, shooting threes. They are still shooting in terms of the percentage of their overall shots this year. They're still basically the identical percentages over the last two seasons under Mike D'Antoni. Um, and they're taking slightly over 51% of their shots as threes. They're getting up more of them because they're playing at a lot quicker pace, and so they're generating a lot more possessions um, per game. But this is something that they, as an organization, um, believe in strongly from the front office, through its head coach, through the team's best players. They believe in the math. They believe that, you know, that, that if you continue to take smart shots, um, regardless of how many actually go in over the long term, you're going to be better off for it. The entire league is, you know, is certainly trended um, in that direction. I mean, New Orleans takes a ton of threes too. Yeah. Um, so maybe you know they're, they're they're averaging I think it's just eight or nine less per game uh, than the Rockets are. But virtually every team in the NBA understands the value um, of that math. And again, when when they when when the Rockets threes go in especially now with the, the pace that they're playing at. Um, and again, this seems cliche and oversimplistic. If you don't score 120 points, you really don't have much of a chance to beat Houston if they're hitting basically league average from three. So that's kind of the philosophy. Sure. You know, you, you, you actually led me into exactly the next thing I was going to ask you was, I've been fascinated by the trend over the last couple of years. It really, to me, Houston was at the forefront of this in terms of they were the first team in the league that had a season where they shot over half of their attempts were from three-point range. I mean, from your perspective, I mean, you feel like the league is kind of kind of starting to follow the, the – it, it was really a trend that the Rockets began as far as the, the chunk of chunks of shots that are becoming are coming from three-point range. It just seems like it's, it's really um, something that now that almost across the board. There might be a couple teams that are outliers, but it does seem like – the vast majority of teams now are taking 40% or something close to that of their shots from the three-point arc. Well, if you don't, you're getting left behind. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just that it's, you know, it's just that simple. I mean, the Spurs are a little bit of a different case, um, even though I think this year they've, they've struggled from three, but in the previous couple of years, they've been one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league, yet they just don't take enough of them, which surprises me, to be perfectly honest, mm. with the amount of quality shooters. Um, that they have, um, but they, but they, they've gotten by because they defended the three in the rim very well. Um, but like, it, yes, I mean the the, the mass, it's it's just it's it's the mass. Um, the the you know Mike Antoni told us a couple of years ago when they won sixty five games that according to 
their data just simply based off of their style of play. They won nine games, strictly mm. off their philosophy. Yeah. Last year, um, we saw a significant jump with the league catching up with the Rockets. And I think in part, they're playing faster this year because I think they need to suit uh, Russell Westbrook's uh, strengths, which is you know playing downhill, and so they want to generate some more possessions and faster pace so he can have an opportunity to be um, at his best. But I think probably another reason why they're playing faster is that last year that gap, so the Rockets in terms of their philosophy had a significant gap over their opposition. And again, it was no more stark than when they played Minnesota. Minnesota's shot shot profile up until this season used to be archaic, old, and terrible. Mm -hmm. And they might shoot 50% from the floor, and the Rockets might shoot 33% from three. But if they get a 53, and Minnesota was only shooting 15 or 18, regardless how well they shot it from two, the Rockets would blow them off the floor. Even if they shot terribly Mm -hmm. from three, simply because of the math. And I think that the the rest of the league has understood the value um, of that math. Now, granted, um, there can be a discussion and an argument that you may not necessarily need to take it quite to the extremes that the Rockets do, and I think you might have a case for some offensive diversification, especially in the playoffs when teams play each other over and over and over again within uh, a same series. But again, the rest of the league has, has understood the value of the math, and it's just like any industry anywhere in the world. Um, companies try to find the best way to run their business the most efficiently, and if the data tells you that this is the way to do it, you'd be stupid not to. And that's basically, I think, the best way I can describe, um, you know, how this trend has gone in the league. And quite honestly, I think, generally speaking, most teams, and especially the NBA, have done a very poor job of educating um, its fan bases on why teams do this. A lot of ex-players still absolutely rail on this. It's, it's yeah. just a matter of educating yourself on why. And I think if people became more educated and understood the rationale behind it, I think more people, we're talking the average fan, would be more accepting of the way that the NBA has trended. That's interesting, you know, and I think I actually read the book Sprawl Ball this summer. I'm not sure if you're, you're familiar with it, but they I'm address... familiar with it, but I don't read, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> well, I'm a writer, <laughs> so this is a problem for me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, <laughs> Sorry about that. that <laughs> that's okay. No, the... Um, I think they touch on a lot of that, those concepts in the book. And I think one of the things that stands out to me too, that I don't think people realize is one of the reasons why the math works better now than it did say 15, 20 years ago is because there's just so many more players in the NBA that can shoot close to 40% from three point range. Whereas level, I think is as good as it's ever been in the history right, of the league. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, it just, not only does I think analytically it made, it makes sense, but it's even further pushed to a different degree just because, I mean, I feel like maybe 10 or 15 years ago there were teams that had two or three really good three-point shooters, but there were there were not teams that were putting six or eight guys on, on, in a rotation that could all make three. So that's been a big part of it as well is just the personnel fits playing that style more and more as well. Um, one of the things I was going to ask you, you, you mentioned the pace that Houston is playing at this year. I was really interested when I looked at the stats because I remembered back to last year that they were 27th in pace and and they're number one actually right now this season through, you know, nine or 10 games. As far as Mike D'Antoni goes, I mean, does he, he's been historically known as the guy that has his teams play at some of the fastest paces in the league. I mean, is he just kind of, 
I'm not sure if he's talked about this so early in the season, but is he he just been more my, kind of more comfortable playing this way than than what they, maybe what they played last season? Uh, well, okay, so the Rockets. So uh, you know, we got to go back to, to two years ago, the first year of, of Chris Paul. At the start of the season, the Rockets were playing. I can't remember where they were in terms of ranks, but they were playing fast. And then they made a switch in their starting lineup after Ryan Anderson got hurt and put PJ Tucker in the starting lineup, and their pace bottomed out. The the irony is that his seven seconds or less Suns teams, if you drop those groups in the league now, they would rank like 28, 29, yeah. 30 in terms of pace. I mean, that, yep. that's how much faster the, the league overall has has gotten. But mm-hmm. when they made that switch, they dropped. I think in part the necessity with that too was um, they had a turnover issue. And when they dropped in pace, um, their turnover percentage dropped dramatically, uh, which suited them. And then when they picked up Russell Westbrook, this summer in place of Chris Paul, let's just be honest. I mean, Russ is, he's not a three point shooter. The only year that he's actually been even close to the league average was the year he won MVP where he shot 34% from three, but that's the exception and not the norm for him. He's at his best when he's coming around screens and attacking the rim, playing in transition. Um, that's when he's at his best. So I, I think that that's had a lot to do with it. And again, as I made the point earlier, I think, when the Rockets noticed that the rest of the league has basically caught up with their style of play, they had to take it to they had to take it to another level. And so, by playing faster and creating more possessions, they're shooting even more threes to try to get the math number um, in their favor. And yes, it is something from a personal level that Mike D'Antoni um, wants to do more of. Um, but this is an interesting kind of uh, I don't know if dichotomy is the right word, but James Harden's the best ISO player in the history of the league, and He's probably more suited at playing slower in the half court, and, and Russ isn't. So it's, it's been a little bit of a balance, and I think maybe when the season started, they were probably maybe playing a little bit too fast. As you mentioned, they still rank number one. I think that's come down a little bit. Maybe they've had, found a little bit of a, a happy medium between the two. Maybe they had something to do with the Rockets just having dead legs and not being very good um, defensively. But there's there certainly a balance because the faster they play, the more that suits uh, Russell Westbrook, but again, the more possessions you create in a game, the more opportunities you have for James Harden to take shots and score, and he does that better than anybody in the league. Craig, before I let you go, when you're uh, prepping for tonight's game and talking about some point of emphasis for tonight, what would be some keys for either team? Kind of what are you what are you expecting tonight at the Smoothie King Center? Well, a couple of things kind of kind of stood out to me. Um, Pelicans are the the worst defensive rebounding team in the league, and the Rockets are number or lead the NBA in second-chance points. So I think that's something that the Rockets have to take advantage of and something that New Orleans should be very concerned about, as is the case with a lot of young teams. Uh, New Orleans fouls a ton, um, which is advantageous to the Rockets since they lead the NBA in free-throw attempts. James Harden at the top of that list. Uh, so that's right up his alley. So I think New Orleans needs to defend uh, without fouling. It's easier said than done against James Harden. But, I mean, that's, I think if they're going to have a chance to win the game, that's certainly at the – um, at the at the top of the list. Um, and New Orleans, they give up a ton of threes, and the Rockets shoot more threes than anybody. And so I think if the Rockets ultimately, and again, this goes back to the math equation, and I would say this against basically every team in the league, if you're going to give up a ton of, ton of threes to the Rockets and they shoot a high percentage, um, then it's advantage Houston, and then it becomes very difficult for opposing teams uh, to compete with that. So to me, I think those are the areas that, that should be watched out for for both teams. All right, should be a fun one tonight at the Smoothie King Center. Craig Ackerman, radio and television voice of the Houston Rockets. Craig, as always, we appreciate you coming on. 
Anytime, fellas. We'll look forward to seeing you tonight. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thanks, Greg. Good stuff there from Craig Ackerman. Again, Pelicans and Rockets tonight, 7 p.m. from the Smoothie King Center. Tickets are still available at pelicans.com. And, of course, you can watch the game on Fox Sports New Orleans and listen on ESPN 100.3 New Orleans in the entire Pelicans radio network. If you're on the North Shore, you can listen on 94.7 tonight. If you're heading to Baton Rouge or coming from Baton Rouge, 103.3 will be your best option. And, of course, you can always listen on the Pelicans mobile app if you're within 75 miles of the Smoothie King Center. Of course, the podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Trying to find tickets to basketball games or any live event can be complicated, and there's hundreds of sites and shady pricing. With SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deal on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple of tasks. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app. Use the code GOPELS at checkout. All one word, all caps. SeatGeek, score the best deals on tickets. On Wednesday's podcast, we'll go back in time and uh, talk to Brian Roberts for the Pelicans guard as he took the time last week to sit down with us before the Pelicans took on the Charlotte Hornets. So we'll play that for you on Wednesday, and then we'll have a Thursday game, Thursday podcast for you instead of Friday as we'll preview the Pelicans and the Clippers. For Craig Ackerman, Jim Eichenhofer, I'm Daniel Salerson. Enjoy the game, everyone.